And while many people are remembering and celebrating their mothers today, I know it's also a tough day for many. Many are longing and many are grieving. Some women and their husbands are longing to have their first child, barren for so many years, while others are still praying for years for a second and a third child. Some people are having difficulty today because they've lost their mum, especially in the past year. And this might be your first Mother's Day without mum. Can't imagine how tough that is for you today. Some mothers and fathers are grieving the death of their child or a wayward child. And today's a hard day. Some women may never have physically given birth. That might be a hard day for some too. But there are many mothers in that situation who are spiritual mums in need of encouragement today to those who they take care of and nurture, as Kerry's already mentioned. No matter where you are this Mother's Day 2021, know that you are not alone. Throughout the Bible, we see many examples of women who understood the adversities of motherhood. We can also learn from the same biblical mothers about the abundance that flowed when they chose to listen, trust and obey God. Before we look at these mother stories today, I wanted to share a personal story of my own that inspired the uh, title of today's message, Birth Giver, The Adversities and abundance of motherhood. During the Easter holidays, Isabel and I, many of you know, thank you so much for your prayers, were up visiting my mother through a difficult time. And uh, I'll give the great praise report that she's doing really well today. So thank you for your prayers. Anyway, during this time, my little 11-year-old was uh, blessed with a phone. Okay, you can lecture me later on about the do's and don'ts of parenting, okay, (laughs) and motherhood. But a few days into receiving this phone, she was playing some games and she decided she wanted to show me her contacts list. And in this contacts list, she pulls up her father's name, Sam, as you all, many of you know, Sam. And under his name, she's giving him the title, My Old Man. (laughs) That's a sermon for another day. (laughs) And then she showed me the name that she'd saved for me, her mother, with a big belly laugh. And she looked at me and I looked at the name and it said, birth giver. And I thought, how interesting. I'd actually never heard, crazy enough, that term before. And so when I asked her, I said, why did you name me your birth birth giver? And she looked at me like I was asking her the most bizarre question. She's like, "Um, hello, you gave me life? You birthed me? And in the moment, she just said, Mum, I'm so proud of you for giving me life. Oh, I know, you can all go there. Yeah, you can all go there. After a few, needless to say, sweet tears, it sent me on the path of motherhood reflection in preparation for today's message. So our title again, Birth Giver. The Adversities and Abundance of Motherhood. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we are thankful just for this moment in time where we can acknowledge you as our source and our life, the giver of all things. And we thank you for every heart and every home 
represented in this room. And Lord, even for those that couldn't be here this morning for one reason or another, we thank you that your word is life and your word is truth. And so right now I ask that you would just open up our hearts to receive more of you this morning and especially to the mums here in this room, whatever they may be facing, whatever they're going through, I thank you that this word you've brought today will bring life and will bring encouragement. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Today's scripture is found in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Bit of an unlikely passage for a Mother's Day sermon, but the Apostle Paul is writing from prison to his dear son in the faith, Timothy, who he often calls his beloved, such an endearing term, and he's encouraging Timothy to remain in Ephesus, Ephesus, to stay with the scriptures. And as we go through this passage this morning, um, I want us to just consider it a letter from God to you, from God, your father, to you, his daughter, his son, his child. But also we know it was the early Christian in Ephesus, the time when the early church was arising, many uh, false doctrines were taking place in Ephesus. And in this time, the ancient Greek city on the western shore of Asian Minor, most of us know it today as modern-day Turkey. Um, many scholars have kind of considered this word Ephesus. It doesn't really have any direct meaning, but today, as I was searching through the meaning of it, some Greek words that kind of sound similar to it. Where's George? Is he in the house? Arestos. Oh, there's another George. I'm talking Greek this morning. Um, sounded like... Ephesus, and over time it took its name Ephesus. But one of the meanings it has is desirable. And I want you to hold that thought in your heart as we go through today because we're going to go through the passage and we're going to have a look at some big biblical mum stories and then come to the end of why I've chosen to share this passage today. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. From Paul, an apostle of Jesus the Messiah appointed by God's pleasure to announce the wonderful promise of life, found in Jesus, the anointed Messiah. My beloved son, my dear daughter, friend and mother today, I pray for a greater release of God's grace, love and total well-being to flow into your life from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. You know that I've been called to serve the God of my fathers with a clean conscience Night and day, I pray constantly for you, building a memorial for you with my prayers. I know that you have wept for me, your spiritual father, and your tears are dear to me. I can't wait to see you again. I'm filled with joy as I think of your strong faith that was passed down through your family line. It began with your grandmother, Lois, who passed it on to your dear mother, Eunice, and it's clear that you two are following in the footsteps of their godly example. Verse 6. I'm writing to encourage you to fan into a flame and rekindle. That word rekindle, to excite the gift or awake the gift. The fire of the spiritual gift God imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you. For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power love and self-control. So never be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor be embarrassed over my imprisonment, but overcome every evil by the revelation of the power of God. 
verse 9. He has given us resurrection life and drew us to himself by his holy calling on our lives. And it wasn't because of any good we've done, but by his divine pleasure and marvellous grace that confirmed our union with the anointed Jesus even before time began. This truth is now being unveiled by the revelation of the anointed Jesus, our life giver, who has dismantled death. Can I hear an amen? We were singing about it this morning, right? Obliterating all its effects on our lives and has manifested his immortal life in us by the gospel. And he has anointed me. He has anointed you, church, enabled you to overcome every difficulty without shame, for I have an intimate revelation of this God. And my faith in him convinces me that he is more than able to keep all that I've placed in his hands safe and secure until the fullness of his appearing. Verse 13, allow the healing words you've heard from me to live in you and make them a model for life as your faith and love for the anointed one grows even more. Guard well this incomparable treasure by the spirit of holiness living within you. Perhaps you've heard that Figlius and Hermogenes and all the believers of Asia, Asia have deserted me because of my imprisonment. Nevertheless, turn to your neighbour and say, nevertheless. So many times Anesiphorus was like a breath of fresh air to me. Isn't that just beautiful? A breath of fresh air to me and never seemed to be ashamed of my chains. May our Lord Jesus bestow compassion and mercy upon him and his household. For when he arrived in Rome, he searched and searched for me until he found out where I was being held so that he could minister to me just like he did so wonderfully as I rested in his house while in Ephesus, as you well know. May Jesus our master give him, may Jesus our master give you abundant mercy in the day that he, that you stand before him. Amen. So before I bring what I'd like to bring regarding this chapter, I'd like us to look at some biblical birth givers, women who experienced both the adversities and the abundance of motherhood. And I'd be amiss if I didn't go way back to the beginning. Our birth giver number one, Eve. Eve was the first woman to be deceived and the first mother to lose a child. And since then, creation hasn't stopped crying or paying the price. Not only Eve, but the whole world has suffered greatly as a result of her deception and defeats. She was the first woman to have her home, her identity, even her future plans taken away from her. But before Eve learned about the pain associated with loss, she understood the meaning of what it was to live an abundant life. According to Genesis 2.25, Eve was naked and unashamed. And often we use that term to be naked and unashamed in a sense of freedom. That means that Eve had experienced bliss before she blamed. She'd experienced freedom before she feared. And isn't that the case for all of us? Any departure, any fall from the grace of God will often take us from a place of abundance and prosperity to a place of adversity. Can anyone relate? That's what happened to Eve. It happened to Adam. It happened to the serpent too. And it still happens to each one today that does not believe. And even for us, sometimes when we fall. 
And look what God says to Eve after the fall. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. Can anybody relate? (laughs) With painful labour, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Let me tell you, anyone who claims that they've forgotten about the pain of labour and childbearing is lying. Let me tell you. Yes, we've got a new mummy in here and she's nodding her head too. Eve's disobedience impacted both her role as a birth giver and a wife, as we see upon this curse. Not only was she sentenced to a life of adversity and travailing childbirth, she was also doomed to be under the power of her husband. God also pronounced a curse over Adam, as we know from the book of Genesis 3. And then shortly afterwards, Adam names his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. And then we see following in Genesis chapter 4, we can read that Adam made love to his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, with the help of the Lord, I've brought forth a man. And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. So the first child is a soil tiller. And the second is a sheep keeper. And if you want a true murder with no mystery, read chapter 4 of Genesis, where Cain's jealousy leads to the murder of his brother. And after Abel's death, Eve gives birth to Seth and other sons and daughters as revealed in Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 4. Eve, our birth giver, often gets a bad rap. We know it. She often gets a bad rap. But think about it. She didn't have a mother to turn to for advice, a praying grandmother, mentors to guide her through life, sisters' shoulders to cry on, even girlfriends to catch up with. And while she might be to blame for our epidurals and nitrous oxide and every other pain-relieving medication, anyone hearing me? She was the first mother to experience adversity, the first mother to bury a child. Eve knew the pain that was associated with loss, but she also understood the abundance of motherhood that birthed all of humanity through her son Seth's lineage right through to Noah. Pretty cool story. Go back to Genesis if you want to read more. Birth giver number two, Sarah. Sarah was the first woman to laugh at God, as we know, and the first mother to wait for what felt like an eternity to receive a promise from God. Unable to conceive, Sarah questioned whether she would ever be a mother at the age of 90. Can you imagine? This mother inspires hope. (laughs) She does, doesn't she? In all of us who are waiting, anyone waiting in this room? I'm sure we're all waiting for something. Unable to conceive, Sarah questioned whether she would ever be a mother. And this, she was not without her flaws. God appeared to her husband Abraham and promised him that he would be the father of many nations, found in Genesis 12. And when this didn't happen on Sarah's timetable, she decided to take matters into her own hands and gave Hagar, her Egyptian slave at the time, 
to Abraham. We'll get to her story in a little bit. Sarah knew a thing or two about the pain associated with waiting. She knew what it felt like to be without. The agony of her barren years brought forth frustration and bitterness. Her inability to wait on God resulted in a change of events that devastated not only her but also those closest to her. Let's have a look at Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 to 6. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, Abraham at the time before his name was changed, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. No comments. No comments. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abraham, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. Yeah. Have we heard that before? (laughs) Yeah. I put my slave in your arms and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abraham said. Do with her whatever you think best. And then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. What a story, huh? Imagine. You know what I love about God? (laughs) He still keeps his promises despite me. Regardless of Sarah's efforts to become a mother, regardless of the pain she caused, Hagar or the trouble she brought upon her family, God had made her a promise. God is not like people, church. He just isn't. Numbers 23, 19 says, he's not like man. He's not a human who changes his mind. Whatever he promises, he does. He speaks and it's done. Isn't that just so good of our God? So while Sarah knew a thing or two about the pain and agony of waiting, she also understood the abundance of God's promises fulfilled. Despite her scepticism and laughter, God still showed up and she became the mother of the promised child, Isaac. She laughed all right. For those that don't know, Isaac actually means laughter. And so Sarah, overjoyed at having given birth to Isaac, realised that good things really do come to those who wait. And in addition to becoming a birth giver, she was crowned the mother of nations. What a title, huh? Birth giver number three, Hagar. So to continue on with her story, she was the first woman to be visited by an angel of God and the first mother to receive a birth announcement. Hagar understood the abundance of following God, but she also knew a thing or two about the pain of staying. She knew what it was like to be stuck in a bad situation. Carrying Abraham's child and playing second fiddle to Sarah, she was punished and mistreated in the same way that the Israelites were oppressed by Pharaoh and the Egyptians. So having had enough, Hagar flees into the desert where she encounters 
an angel of the Lord. Let's take up the story in Genesis chapter 16 from verse 7. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. God sees you. Mothers, God hears your cries. Ladies, gentlemen, whatever ails you, if you are being mistreated in any way, whether it's in the home or in the workplace, God sees and he hears. And just as Hagar experienced God's love and faithfulness right there in the wilderness, so will you, because that's the kind of God that we serve. It's possible that God may not be directing you to go back to a difficult situation. Or maybe you might be running away from something or someone and deep down you know God's calling you to go back. But everything in your flesh is screaming no. I don't know where you're at right now. But the important thing I want you to note here is that one encounter with the Lord has the potential to completely change the course of your life forever. Amen. As Hagar is instructed to return to the difficult place, God fulfills his promise through her faith and obedience and Hagar becomes a birth giver of Ishmael, which means God sees. The first and only woman in the Bible to give God a name, it would forever be associated with Hagar's plight, her need for God's help and God's response. Yes, Hagar knew the pain associated with staying in a difficult situation. But she also understood the abundance that flows when you listen, trust and obey God. Amen? Birth giver number four. I'm going to push on here because of time. Jochebed. Is that how you say it? I was starting with Joshebed and then I thought Jochebed. Anyone know who she is? Yeah, Jochebed was the first birth giver, was the birth giver of Moses and, of course, Aaron and Miriam. During a treacherous time to the emerging nation of Israel, when a decree was issued by Pharaoh to the midwives to kill all male newborns. And I know many of you might know the story. But the first mother in the Bible forced to give up her child, Jochebed knew a thing or two about the pain associated with letting go of a loved one. Despite the fact that we know very little about Jochebed, her revealed actions towards her son Moses are extremely significant. She was not only courageous and even creative as a mother, but also a protector and instrument of God's purposes in Moses' life 
and the nation of Israel. Jochebed understood the abundance that comes from following God's plan. Many of us are familiar with her story and in which she had to hide Moses for three months until she could no longer hide him. And determined to find a way to save her son, God blessed Jochebed's plan as she placed Moses in that basket and released him into the flow of the River Nile. Check out Exodus if you want to read the story further. But in this story, I wanted us to focus a moment on the actual midwives in the story. Exodus 1 from verses 15 to 20. It says, The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shifra and Pua, When you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. (laughs) Wouldn't that be lovely? (laughs) So God was kind to the midwives, isn't that? Just God was kind to the midwives and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Isn't that just beautiful? It's a great example of how disobedience can pay off. (laughs) When the fear of God far outweighs any plan that the enemy has to steal, kill and destroy. If we truly are courageous enough to stand up against the evil one. Shifra and Pua were God-fearing women. It didn't matter what the enemy was talking. God mattered most. They took a huge risk by defying Pharaoh's orders to kill all the Israelite male newborns. And God rewarded them for it. God rewarded their righteousness and fear of him by blessing them to be birth givers also. And so Shifra and Pua faced adversity with courage and God rewarded them with the abundance of motherhood. Jochebed lived in a desperate situation, but she acted out of faith in God rather than fear and trusted his plan for her child's life. And as it turned out, as you know, the child she gave birth to would later deliver her and her people from slavery, leading them to the promised land. Amen. Birth giver number five, Mary. I'd be amiss if I didn't talk about Mary, right? The birth giver of our Lord Jesus Christ, the first and only woman to immaculately conceive a child. Mary was a mother who truly understood the adversities of motherhood. She was a virgin pledged to a man named Joseph when she received a visit from the angel Gabriel who told her she'll remain a virgin when the child is born and that his conception will be by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary knew her son was the son of God and she treasured up many things in her heart as she raised him. She was the only person, the only woman, the only mother in the Bible who was with Jesus all the way from his birth to his death. Mary knew that one day her son would offer himself as a sacrifice, the one and only sacrifice that could be made for mankind. 
She knew this because of Simeon's prophecy, which was fulfilled when Jesus was 40 days old and dedicated in the temple. Because of time, I'm not going to go there. I had Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 35. Read that story in your own time. But the prophecy itself is actually a mature declaration. Simeon had waited years and years and years for the fulfillment of the Messiah's coming. And for him, seeing Jesus in that moment meant seeing God's salvation. And they were inseparable for him. And they are inseparable for us today. When someone sees Jesus as the source of their life, there is joy even in the face of death. Simeon had now experienced it and Mary would as well. Mary knew a thing or two about suffering. She endured the greatest suffering of all time, watching her son Jesus be tortured and mocked while hanging on the cross. The same is true for us also. When we identify with Jesus' suffering, we can be certain that it will cause us pain because many people will reject him and therefore many people may just reject us too. This rejection explains Simeon's prophecy to when he spoke about Mary, to that sword piercing Mary's soul. She'll feel the pain of a mother as she, as she watches her son go his own way and be rejected. But the sword also represents the pain that anyone identifies with Jesus feels as the world rejects what Jesus has to offer. Mary not only knew the pain of seeing a child suffer, but she also understood the abundance of God's salvation as she embraced his word, his promises and his prophecies in her life. The Apostle Paul, sorry, the Apostle John in chapter 19, will go there, chapter 19 verses 25 to 27, records the point at which Mary is no longer seen as Jesus' birth giver and mother. Instead, Jesus is now seen as Mary's saviour. John chapter 19, verses 25 to 27. Sorry, Abby, I might have messed you up there a little bit. Mary, Jesus' mother, was standing next to his cross, along with Mary's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. So when Jesus looked down and saw the disciple he loved standing with her, he said, Mother, other versions say woman, look, John will be a son to you. And then he said, John, look, she will be a mother to you. And from that day on, John accepted Mary into his home as one of his own family. Notice that Jesus doesn't leave Mary hanging as his birth giver and mother. In his generous and caring nature, hanging on a cross, he's still considering her. He's still remembering her. And he looks to her and he says, Mum, look, John will be your son. And he looks at John, John, my mum will be your mum. Just a beautiful moment. As endearing as it is, he entrusts his mother's care to John. And by Jesus doing this, he's literally declaring his mother and the beloved, his John, the disciple now, to be a part of the same family, announcing the creation of a new household of faith to which we belong. And this is evidenced as Mary was among a part of the small group in the upper room that witnessed the powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. You can read that in your own time in Acts chapter 1. Mary gives a first-hand account of the truth that motherhood isn't for the weak. 
She suffered through the crucifixion, but she celebrated the resurrection. Though there was death and adversity, there was abundant joy for Mary. As Jesus, her son, died, was buried, rose from the grave, and now sits at the right hand of the Father, securing eternity for all of us who would believe. Amen. Final birth giver, Jane Doe. Our last birth giver may be last, but she's certainly not the least. This mother knew the pain associated with not being recognised. Her adversity left her unknown and anonymous. And for this reason, I've called her Jane Doe. Can anyone take a guess who she might be? So many, right? Yeah, in the Bible. If you don't know, Jane Doe is literally just a term given to those who... Um, their true name, their identity have been lost or stolen or concealed in some way, uh, specifically in the US too. Um, names are referred to bodies that have no identity. Jane Doe or Joe, 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 Doe? John, thank you. I've got it written here. John Doe, thank you. Jane Doe is a birth giver of the prodigal son. She's completely missing from the story in Luke chapter 15. Now, I know I realise it's a parable. I understand that. But has anyone ever considered who the mother, who the birth giver of the prodigal son is? I mean, I hadn't (laughs) until I was preparing for this message. There's something else I love about God's word. You know, when you really get in there and dig in, we can never exhaust the mysteries and the treasures that await us when we look. Yeah? Anyway, back to Jane Doe. The parable in Luke 15 starts by saying, there was a man who had two sons. Mm -hmm. Now, I can take things literally sometimes, right? So I'll leave that with you. You get the point. Many mothers and fathers even can sometimes feel like they've lost their identity. God only knows how they get by with the little credit that they're due. They're literally even oftentimes dying on the inside losing their sense of self. They trudge from one day to the next between the sleepless nights and dirty nappies, through the piles of dirty laundry and never-ending to-do lists, playing taxi driver, fighting the lawnmower. The list goes on and on and on. Everyone's so quiet. Can you relate? (laughs) Hello? Whoever Jane Doe was, she must have known what it was like to go through life without being seen, without being heard without being recognised, without being acknowledged, loved or even thanked. Do you ever wonder where she is in this story? I had in preparation. All these thoughts were running through my mind. Perhaps she was too preoccupied doing her housework so she couldn't make the party. I don't know. Maybe she was in the temple still praying day and night for her son's return. What if she'd passed away and that's why she wasn't acknowledged in the story? Perhaps she was so upset by her son's actions that she was still in bed grieving and wailing, beating herself up for the bad mother that she had become. I don't know. The thoughts are endless. But one thing I do know about Jane Doe and what she must have understood is the truth about Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go And when he is old, he will not depart from it. 
Teaching your child how they should live will come in handy for them one day. And it did for the prodigal son. Luke 15 verses 17 to 18 says, He came to his senses and went back to his father. He came to his senses and returned home. He had to have been recalling his mother's lessons, right? Those early years of instilling everything that was true and noble and right and pure and lovely, all those things that are excellent and praiseworthy because it had finally paid off. In this moment of her son's enlightenment and return home, Jane Doe understood the abundance of what it meant to work unto the Lord, as it says in Colossians 3.23. She knew that by putting all of her heart and soul into everything she did as the prodigal son's birth giver and mother, and by doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for her child or spouse, that one day she would receive a reward. An inheritance from the Lord, the Bible says, from the Lord Jesus Christ as she served him. Amen. So in conclusion, can I invite you up, Kesha? From Eve to Sarah to Hagar to Jochebed to Mary and Jane Doe, these biblical birth givers remind us that we are not alone in our pain and in our suffering, in our adversities. From every birth giver, even here this morning, from Lisa to Thembi to Nene to Susan to Beryl. From these women, we can also learn how abundant motherhood can be when we choose to listen, trust and obey God. In closing, I'd like to go back to our scripture that we read in the beginning. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I mentioned that uh, Paul was writing this to Timothy, his beloved, and encouraging him to remain in Ephesus and to stay with the Scriptures. And while the word, as I told you earlier, Ephesus has no meaning, some scholars have accepted this meaning of either desirable, Ephesus meaning to be desired, desired place, desirable or permitted place. And I want you to hold that thought for a moment. While motherhood can sometimes be a difficult place to be in. Today's passage serves as an encouragement to just keep going. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, day in and day out. Just like Timothy didn't want to stay in Ephesus. It was too hard to be preaching God's Word there. He may have felt he wanted to give up and run away from Ephesus. But I have no doubt that in this room and in each one of us, we felt like that sometimes. We wanted to run away. We want to give up. But however you're feeling today, whatever you may be facing, God wants you to stay in Ephesus. He wants you to remain in that desirable place of His presence and His Word. That desirable place where you'll always be encouraged as a believer in the community of faith. Ephesus, the desirable and permitted place where you listen to, trust and follow God. And why would I be encouraging you in this? Based on our scripture today, just four quick points to summarise and to close out this morning. Remain in Ephesus, 
because you and truth are needed. Eve was deceived and therefore defeated. She didn't have a mother in her life to teach her in the way she should go. Your child and each person that God has given you in your world needs you and your faith. They need God's truth to anchor them from the lies and the schemes of the evil one so they can overcome. Amen. Remain in Ephesus because you are a mother and a minister. You're not only a birth giver and mother, but you're also a minister in a troubled world. Sarah didn't wait on the Lord and as a result, she and Hagar were forced to remain in a difficult situation. Your child and each person in your world need your ministry of compassion and long-suffering. They need to learn from you that running away or giving up is not a viable option. They must know that following Jesus is the only way to live an abundant life. Amen. Remain in Ephesus. Remain in the desirable place of God's presence and word because you have the Holy Spirit to help you. Jochebed didn't know the power that was in her hands as she let go of her child Moses. You may not feel equipped or even worthy to deal with your child right now. But if you let go and let God, you will see his miraculous deliverance. Amen. You'll see the work of God in your child's life. Verse 14 says, Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit that lives in you. You have the Holy Spirit's help in not only believing for the impossible, but to do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Amen. And finally, remain in Ephesus. Remain in God. Remain in His Word. Stay in His presence because you were chosen and called by God's grace. Mary was chosen by God and her calling was not easy. But she gave her whole heart and her life to the Lord. Her sacrifice was deep, but her joy was eternal. The call upon your life, the call upon your child's life, the call upon your spouse's life, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. So by grace, surrender it to Him and you will see the salvation of the Lord. Amen? Okay. In today, wherever you are, there's still more to come. But before we do that, we're going to have a little time of prayer. Will you stand with me? pray and then we're going to watch a video and uh, as the video is playing we've got some sweet surprises that will be coming and also today we have a light lunch on for everyone in the house so we're thankful for ACC and the blessings that continue to flow from this place but as we've heard God's word today I just want to close us out in prayer Today's a message, yes, especially for our mothers, our birth givers in the house, but it's also for every male and every child too because God sees and God hears. This morning, I don't know what the Lord's been speaking to your heart, 
but I trust that you have drawn closer to him as we've drawn closer to him. He has surely been drawing close to us. And so, Father God, with that this morning, I just want to say thank you. I thank you for your word and wonderful examples in the Bible. Not just stories, Lord God, but real women, real men who lived in a day and in a time where they got to know you in various ways. And I thank you that as you have blessed them to be birth givers and mothers and fathers in households of faith, that here too this morning, you have blessed so many with the gift of motherhood. And so, Lord, I pray right now for every heart in this room, for every mother, for any adversity that they may be experiencing. Lord, would you be the one to see? Would you be the one to hear? Would you be the one to come and comfort them in their time of need? I thank you that you know them intimately, Lord God. You know them ever so sweetly. And through the revelation of your word, maybe just an encounter with you this morning. Father God, would you change their situation for good? In the name of Jesus, every adversity, may you bow down to the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Lord, even through the challenge and even through the trudgery, may you be the lifter of their head. May you be their encourager. May you be the one to tell them that you love them and that you see them and that you know and that they are not forgotten. In the name of Jesus, whether they're thanked in the natural or not, I thank you that you are pleased with them. You are pleased with every mother here this morning, every birth giver, every woman, whether physically or spiritually, a mother. May your good pleasure rest on them today. May they know that they know that they know that they are loved by you. And I thank you for the abundance the gifts that overflow through such a ministry. Thank you that we are able to do it unto a God who cares, a God who rewards, a God who knows. And so today, would you just put a sweet smile over your child, whether they're mother or father, put a sweet smile over them today to know that you are with them wherever they go. You are with them wherever they go. And we just above all thank you for life. We thank you for life that you have given us through the Lord Jesus Christ, the ultimate birth giver, the one who brought us life. We were singing it this morning. You have conquered death and we now live. And for that, we are so grateful. And so, Lord, continue to bless this day in a special way on each heart and each soul. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. If you want to take a seat for a moment and watch our video.